He's got connections. From actors and athletes to comedians and world-class musicians. Andy Hall. His contact list is jam-packed with some of the most recognizable names in entertainment. And every week, Andy Hall's bringing them to you on the Laser Airwaves. This week in Andy's Hall Pass. Fresh off the release of the band's new album, The Battle at Gardens Gate, I am more than happy to welcome singer Josh Kiska and bassist, keyboardist, Sam Kiska of the band Greta Van Fleet. Greetings. What's happening, gents? Not much, you know, just another day here. Watching the trains roll by. That's right. Watching the trains roll by. That's good. Counting the pigeons out on the sidewalk. That's right. That's right. Great uh, Great to see your faces again and be talking all things Greta Van Fleet with you today. It's exciting. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks for having us. You're in Nashville now, huh? Yes. I was about to make some commentary about that. As, uh, as, of, as of today, I, you know, it's kind of wild. We're seeing sort of live shows go back up on sale slowly. So that's been really interesting. Absolutely. With a new album in tow, I'm assuming you guys are itching to get back out there and play some of this new material. Oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. It needs to live in yeah. the wild. It does. <laughs> That's what this is for. Congrats on the battle at Gardens Gate, you guys. I uh, I love the experience from beginning to end. I'm a guy that comes from the vinyl era, and really, at least to me, the best albums are made to appreciate the body of work as a whole, the, the way the artist built and sequenced it. Fair to say that's in the ballpark of, of what was intended here? Certainly. Yeah, uh, I feel like you can listen to one track and, have a favorite, but I don't think that you'll really understand it until you meet the entire story, the entire narrative. Because uh, one thing could be uh, perhaps misconstrued without uh, the context of uh, the story. Yeah, we set out to make something really dynamic and, you know, on a bigger scope and something more cinematic. Uh, it's an album we wanted to make for a long time, but we didn't think that there that you know, there'd been an appropriate time to release it until about now. And I think we've got, we've got sort of a, what I see as the previous work is this groundwork or a thesis or, or a context. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, this ongoing narrative that we have with fans and music lovers around the world now, it's sort of like they know a little bit more of what Greta Van Fleet, who we are, where we're coming from. And so we thought they'd be better, you know, received. And so we, we, we realized that it was a good time to be able to do, to do this. And, and now that it's kind of being, it's been released, uh, it's such a strange time to, to live in the, in the world, this, 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 uh, this body of work. I'm hoping that it'll aid us in, in this as a vehicle or, or some kind of, some kind of hope in in a very strange time as things hopefully blossom back to sort of the the way that that they were when people could could coexist in the same space the golden era the yeah it it seems like so long ago i don't know if you guys feel the same way but in some ways i feel like a decade has passed and we really just we miss each other as a people yeah it yeah. has i think that we've uh really changed a lot about uh, our society uh, for the better in, in a very short amount of time. And I think that a lot of change has occurred and a lot of things have happened despite the lockdown. So yeah, I think that gives us that kind of perspective. It's been, uh, it's been an age. No question. Josh, I'm glad you use the word cinematic. You know, I've been listening to the album a lot since it's release on Friday. And one thing I think is 
really interesting is with each successive listen, I'm noticing new elements I might not have caught in a previous listen, like a great film um, where watching it once is great, but then upon a second or a third viewing, you start to notice new things that make the experience more fulfilling. Yeah. It's a, and it's a complex album. And, and then that's, that's, that's a green light review in my opinion. I mean, you, you know, your perspective on this, on this piece. Um, yeah. It, it's a, it, there are, there's a lot going on and there is a, a sort of a, a um, technicality to the, the way that the songs are put together. Um, and then it's almost getting into a little bit more of the progressive, you know, uh, genre, maybe a little bit, but the, uh, and it is in a way kind of a conceptual album. So well, yeah, I think a there's a lot there. sign that people can listen to it a couple of times or, you know, every time you listen to it, you get something to pull away from it. That's a little different each yeah, time. Yeah. I think that's because there's a lot of depth there. Uh, a lot of work went into that. And a lot of stems, a lot of tracks. Yeah, mm-hmm. plenty. We were kind of constantly, you know, we didn't want any track or, or piece or part of the song to be there in the mix without it having, I mean, being a total necessity. So it was a lot of a lot of debating about what we should pull and what, what needs to go in. Um, and then we thought, well, how is this going to translate live? And, and of course, uh, that wasn't so much of a concern, but we've been playing through it, you know, uh, pretty much to a brick wall, you know, and, and everybody's using every limb to play the tracks, but it's a, it's a great album to play live, you know? Well, the question becomes, how do you paint that picture without losing the depth of, of some of the more rich material if you plan on playing these live? Well, I think uh, we kind of done it our whole career because there are uh, important overdubs and sometimes it's it's fun to uh, forget about the bassist track and uh, kind of experiment with uh, the different parts of the song and uh, even giving them a new life on stage and just uh, the new energy. Because, I mean, what would it be if we just played the same exact thing that you heard on the record and projected yeah. that live yeah they take they did really take on a, a a different life they kind of become the live versions of of the tracks that you know on the on the on the record and then of course there are things that start to get written in between moments and transitions and maybe there's a half of this song here that turns into half of that the other half of that song and it just sort of like interweaves sort of this tapestry or this the fabric. possibilities are endless they are and, uh, we have that advantage over uh, a lot of acts because we're not kind of uh stuck with a computer or like a, a beat Right, we're not we playing don't, to tracks. So yeah, there's no. You we know, don't have to follow anything. We can kind of we can take it where we want. Yeah, yeah. As, as we do. That's part of the fun of playing the live stuff, you know. Yeah, that probably it probably helps keep some of the older material fresh too. If you guys are finding new ways to present those songs, totally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it is very refreshing. It's really interesting the way that you put it together. Is a huge deal of how it translates in the communication of, of that live uh, event. So. Give me a rough timeline of when many of these songs were written and recorded. From what I understand, the creative process was um, was pretty spread out even prior to COVID-19. Yeah, well, it's pretty, I mean, it was, I remember it being two major chunks over the summer of 2019. We were kind of try, finding the time to get into the studio in between rigorous touring, which is pretty constant, you know, or was anyway. and. Um, 
so yeah, I think we get pretty much finished the, the album by the end of 2019. And uh, we wanted it to be a 12 song album, but with the touring schedule in 2020, we weren't going to be able to record all 12, we 10, you know, uh, finished. And so the silver lining, I guess, is that we had the extra time to go into the studio and record another two tracks, which had been our Barons and Caravelle. And, um, and so, yeah, that I guess is kind of roughly the timeline. Of course, it was the album release was postponed because nobody knew what the hell was going on. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think that's kind of how I remember the timeline being really. Sounds about right. Yeah. Would you say the majority of the song ideas came about over the past year or so? And do you do you bank older material that that either didn't seem to fit what you were doing before or wasn't completely thought out or honed in? Do you do a lot of that? Yeah, it's all in the vault. It it really is. And we never kill we never kill our our, our darlings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe shelf. We we always shelf it. Yeah, and then we of course if it. Stands the test of time. We pull it off of the shelf, test it off, and find that it's it's really worth kind of renovating and putting on on an album if it really makes sense at the time. But we had written uh, songs like, uh, well, it was uh, he, "Heat Above" was written five years ago, okay. and so that was a track that we we pulled off of the shelf. And, and Age of Machine was written in uh, just a cabin in kind of the Tennessee hills, kind of like Age of Man was written. Uh, in the hills. Chattanooga, I think. Chat, yeah, yeah, Chattanooga. Yeah, we kind of get ourselves into secluded spaces and in and just kind of away in in the in wilderness and and we just sort of uh, I guess it becomes a bit like The Shining at times, you know, whereas people everybody's starting to lose their minds. We but... were quarantining before it was hit. That's right. That's right. Well, well put. Now, I'm, and... glad, I'm glad you brought up Age of Machine because that is the video for that. I had to watch about a dozen times even to get like a basic concept of what was going on in there. That all comes from up here, right? I mean, that's, it's incredible video. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty heavy conceptually. I think there's a, there's a lot in there. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of moving components that kind of act together and it's a constant shifting thing. And it's just really quite a dystopian world. And it doesn't really just, it's kind of like the song. It doesn't really tell one story. It doesn't really, uh, put itself in in a corner and it's not totally literal either you know there's there's a lot going on i think people will take away different things and i think whatever they take away originally is the most important you know i think you're going to get from it what you need it's always surprising how the soul of the song is able to translate from what we do to what the listener does i think that's amazing that there is so usually so little uh, misinterpretation of our meaning to the listener. I think it's incredible. It is kind of, yeah. I'm sure that happens enough though. (laughs) Everybody gets a chance to showcase their instrument or in the case of Sam instruments. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I ever asked any of you this before, but did you all gravitate naturally to your roles in Greta Van Fleet. Uh, Josh might be a, a tad more obvious when it comes to your vocals. Somebody had to do it, right? That's right. Somebody had to do it. And so I said, okay, fine. It was, so I, I drew the straw and, you know, that was it. That no, I think it was, it was a pretty natural process. I mean, Jake was playing the guitar since he could crawl over the thing. And I think, and I had, I mean, we had instruments around the house. I remember playing the piano and I could, finally reached the keys and um 
And eventually it turned on to the drums. So I'd play Kit and Jake would be on the on the guitar. And then Jake met a buddy in, in, in high school that would come in and, and he would play the drums and then I would sing. And uh, I'd always been singing growing up, just sort of had the, I guess, the natural inclination. And, and I believe it was, well, Jake kind of went to Sam and said, you should play bass. You should, uh, is Jake's plotting, you know, and Sam came in and learned the bass really. And then pretty much short thereafter jumped onto the keys, which I was very excited about. Cause I, I mean, that, that, that really is, it lends itself to such a, the, such a fine aspect of that, the Greta Van Fleet sound. Well, all my uh, favorite bass players, played keys they're multi-instrumentalized so then i knew that's what i had to do so yep that's right it's a it's a task it's a chore you gotta get the job done uh, standing on the shoulders of the giants that came before that's right uh you know all four of you guys are excellent musicians and and the fans are well aware and there's an appreciation there that's been earned but as you know there's also you know some people that aren't so complimentary and haven't been since you emerged um do you think this album these songs at the very least ensures nobody can ever underestimate Greta Van Fleet and what you're capable of. Well, I am interested to see what people have to say about it. I don't know. It's, I would, I would think that there's a lot more to this band than what we often show away. or convey. Yeah, yeah. We don't like to give everything away and time changes many things and people change with it. And I think we've realized that there's never going to be a moment of arrival and that we're going to have to keep creating if we have something to say about what's going on in the world and, and around us. So yeah, I, I hope that people uh, are, you know, tuned in, turned on and drop out and, and, and enjoy it, you know, for what it is. And of course there's always going to be people that, that are averse to it I, for whatever reason. I don't know, but you know, that's not, we don't create the music for the people who aren't interested. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, a lot of the time people don't like when uh, people are shaking up the kind of current thing. Um, people have a, this really love for complacency, not us, but uh, yeah. So I think we we're definitely shaking it up a little bit. Uh, but I, in my eyes, in our eyes, it's a very unique album, and I can't say that I've really heard anything like it before. Same. Uh, I would say that considering the trajectory you guys are on, it's going to be really difficult to try to predict what path you uh, pave going forward, I'd say. Well, we don't even know. No, we yeah. don't. I mean, I'm quite excited uh, uh, to see where we go. I mean, we're already, I mean, we're already kind of working on the next album you know it's just kind of how we we work we have to we have to keep moving it's just the way of life there's a certain uh it's almost like a a, a productive or constructive addiction or something it's just the kind of way that we feel about touring live music and going on a campaign and, and doing that sharing the, the the art in that way too you're never gonna be able to kick it the innate quest for knowledge of, of the right. human the, the innate uh the need like for that inherent journey. curiosity exploration yeah there's a lot of great music shops there in nashville did any of you get out or have the ability to actually purchase a copy of uh, the battle at gardens gate when it came out on friday yes we've been doing this thing where we uh buy a vinyl from a local record store sign it and then hide it somewhere in nashville put it on our socials and then I think we're, I think we're sending it. some That's off cool. to Chicago and, and, and New York or just various places around the, the country and people are going to hide them and <laughs> have to go. 
find them in that place about yeah so that's kind of a game there yeah. so yeah it's been fun we went to in that sense yes i guess we, did, we went to grimy's here in nashville and we went to what was the one on uh Calvin. Uh, yeah yeah uh groove 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 i and i i think it's really funny we we had we got the the first pressings of the vinyls to listen to and we went into the studio blackbird here in nashville and we were excited to hear the crackle and the, all of the, the 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 you know the texture to the sound that the vinyl was going to have. And they had such a hi-fi uh, equipment set up that it was like you couldn't tell the difference between the album and the and you know the the digital and the vinyl. Where so so now I'm kind of like, well, uh, let's get like a really dumpy you know system and play it on that, and maybe maybe we'll get that texture. We'll just play it at my house. There you go. <laughs> I'm looking yeah, forward to putting yeah, it yeah. through my uh, circa 1972 Sansui equipment. It's just something about the vintage equipment. It just sounds so much warmer and, and better. Maybe so you're I'm, onto it, something. It does. It really or, does. Or on something, Sam. I'm not quite. Or on clear. something. Or yeah. both. <laughs> or both. Yeah. Uh, real quick before I let you guys People go. Minds have been on both. You know. <laughs> Timothy Leary. I appreciate Mom you guys taking the time today. Um, uh, the question of touring. It's not just a question of when. It's it's how as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. We're talking about live touring, is that what you're saying? Correct. Yeah, to get back out on the road, it's it's not just a matter of when we're going to be able to do it. It's it's how you're going to do it going forward. These are questions that have to be. Uh, that's that's a good question. Um, a lot of these venues can't afford to reopen if uh, we're not at full cap again. So, I think what we're probably going to see for us is, I think we're probably going to only be playing full cap rooms. Yeah, we. I think there's something special about people being able to get together and 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 have that experience. That's I think what we've avoided doing any live stream uh, shows. We've instead kind of uh, rolled our sleeves up and tried to find a way to get this this music live out in a sort of more artistic way that reads a little better and is encapsulated in time in a, in a more appropriate way. So I think that that. Um, it looks like sometime mid to late summer uh, we'll probably be getting back in, onto the stage and being able to play to people. And hopefully by fall, we're looking at something that feels a little bit more back to what we remember as live shows or, you know, touring acts and things like that. But I think 2022 is pretty safe to assume that it's going to be kind of backing on, on, on that yeah yeah track. <laughs> let's hope some semblance of normalcy we're all uh we're all dying for it here so uh don't forget about your friends in des moines iowa uh josh sam thank you guys so much for taking the time i love the album i can't wait to put it on my turntable at home and, and really digest this thing in in that hi-fi environment it's gonna be awesome well it's awesome thank you for having us Absolutely. great chat we had thank you man till next time <laughs>